both what's worth being uncomfortable for and what's worth being criticized for, they cut through the noise. Welcome to Therapist Expanded, where we start a mental health revolution by living our dreams fully and freely beyond industry conditioning and taking every client with us, because we'll only take them as far as we've gone. So join me, your host, Aaron Gibb, and my trailblazing guests and be revolutionary by expanding your mind and your life to your freest and fullest potential. Hello, revolutionaries. So welcome or welcome back to the podcast. This is funny. I'm going to let you in on a little something. I just recorded this whole episode and when I went to edit it, there was no sound. So I'm. this is a do-over, but I'm just going to trust that it means it's an improvement. So today I'm going to be talking about some of the five key questions that really help me focus on living my desires, my dreams, my goals at the macro and the micro level. To give you what I mean by that, if we look at the macro, kind of big picture, how do these questions help? Well, if we want to live beyond conditioning, whether that's personal conditioning, professional conditioning, you know, societal conditioning, it takes really being considerate in life of what we want because when we try to live outside of that, there is fear. It, it just seems to be the way. So these questions help on that level. Um, they also help on kind of the macro level beyond us. So I'm going to give you an example. I've met quite a few therapists who tell me they could not work outside of the insurance system, but they really, really want to. And so that would be a place where if that's what they really, really want, there's likely some fear, there's some conditioning, there's a belief that where they live, it won't work. It's all kinds of things that they won't be able to find clients, despite that there are many therapists choosing to work outside of the insurance system. The people who this is their actual dream and feel they can't, that's a conditioned response. It, it's brought up a fear because of something they've learned. So when we make these decisions and we ask ourselves these questions that keep us course correcting, they not only help us find what we want, but then they help us live it day to day. We're not just helping ourselves, which is amazing. It, it's good enough. To me, this is not a self-sacrificing requirement to be in this world. We don't have to do anything for anyone else. And actually, when we live just for ourselves, we help everyone. It, it's the irony of the whole thing. But when we ask ourselves these questions, we also help on the macro level of our field. Because let's imagine for a moment that many, many people stop taking insurance. What would that mean for our field? How would that revolutionize people's access to healthcare without a diagnosis? How would that influence what insurance companies paid? I think you can see where I'm going here. These decisions are really important. And we don't have endless willpower as humans. So asking these to quickly course correct, so important. And they help on the micro level. So let's say we ask ourselves these, these questions and we get really clear on the identity we want to embody. Well, on the micro level, we'll be faced moment to moment with lots of choices. 
and habits and conditioning. And so these can course correct on the micro level. And so what these questions really do is align us with our identity. So I'll tell you about question number one. And question number one is, with this decision, am I moving closer to who I want to be? So with this decision, am I moving closer to who I want to be? Some people like to ask, am I moving closer to or further away from who I want to be? So you can see which one really resonates with you if you're into this question. What I realized when I started thinking about this question was that unknowingly, I had devised in childhood who I wanted to be, even just in terms of my career. This is where I started to see this part that looked like a a lady in a 1980s business suit. It was an embodiment of this masculine way in the world that I had been shown was the way to be successful. But that was in conflict as an adult with the therapist, you know, the professional that I really wanted to be. So when I wasn't, you know, mindful, that part of me was making all kinds of decisions from a place of force, not a place of power. And so this kind of question helped me because we're forming our identity by watching the decisions we make. That is how we make meaning. And life is not easy when we're talking about some of these decisions. And if we keep on letting ourselves down from the decision we've made, we start to make an identity about that. So again, the question is, with this decision, am I moving closer to who I want to be? The next question is really around fear. I think it it clarifies around fear. I have learned that in our culture, it's easy to see where fear is dressed up as love. Parenting is a great example. I've been there where fundamentally it's the love of my child and the attachment that makes me afraid to lose her. So I will do things and pretend it's love if I'm really honest. And it's fear. Another place I see this showing up is when I work with therapists and I mentor therapists, there's a lot of fear around governing bodies, liability, and so we can get overtaken by that and lose our judgment. We start to act in ways where we lose our creative freedom, we're not really acting in the best interest of ourselves or our clients because we think we have to cover our ass. I mean, there's no other way to put it. And Just listen to yourself in this moment if you're hearing this like, I have to. Yeah, I understand. But a question that can help us live with ourselves, that's that's where it's really been clear to me. Live with ourselves, support our decisions. In a world where ethics, for example, is quite gray, the question is, what would love do? Question again, what would love do? And this isn't just for professional purposes. This can be great for parenting for friendship, for loving ourselves, self-compassion, self-care. I'm a big fan. I hope it's helpful to you. The next question is, what is ease and what is comfort? When this concept of the difference was presented to me by my coach, it was like, cue the fireworks. Like, it was mind-blowing. I just heard this, like, in my mind because we've evolved to seek comfort. It's just built into our evolutionary fabric to seek out comfort. And that was amazing when we were in the cave because the difference between sleeping on a warm 
kind of dry rock or sleeping on the floor in a puddle, that's that's a big difference. And that could mean the difference between getting sick and not. When we think evolutionarily, comfort was really important. But comfort is tricky because living in our comfort zone feels easeful, actually, until it backfires. Long-term living in our comfort zone kind of sucks. But short-term, it feels nice. Long-term, ease is amazing. I think if we look at a lot of our goals and what we want for our life, what we want things to feel like, we want ease. Ease in the short-term isn't comfortable, but in the long-term is easeful. So that means that to get to ease means to be in discomfort. And if we want to live out of ease, we can just stay in our comfort zone. So hopefully that's making sense. Again, the question is, what is ease and what is comfort? The next question kind of piggybacks on this, and it's what's worth being uncomfortable for? And I'll explain more about the nuances of this. It seems like a pretty simple question, but it goes hand in hand with another question that I love. And if you've been a listener, you know it, you've heard it. It's what's worth being criticized for? Both what's worth being uncomfortable for and what's worth being criticized for, they cut through the noise. Because our egoic, habitual, conditioned, reactive, even childlike parts really don't ever want to be criticized or uncomfortable. We're talking maybe limbic system here or the ego. Nothing is worth worth being criticized for. Nothing is worth being seen as an other. Nothing is worth being uncomfortable for. So it's it sort of slices through all of that not self to cut right to the capital S being self. The adult that vision of what we really want, the one in us who lives the dream we see in our minds. That's what it cuts right to. Because ego will never say anything's worth being criticized for. It'll never say anything's worth being uncomfortable for. And so the stuff that is worth being criticized and uncomfortable for is the stuff that changes our lives, that changes our culture, that revolutionizes our field, And so these questions, again, those are macro level thinking about them on the micro level. They're the things that will help us. Let's just say you decided your identity is someone who goes to the gym. And I would recommend make change about identity, not about outcome. You've probably heard this before. If you know anything about habits, if you make it about, I want to get fit, that not only is is hard to maintain because willpower will drive away eventually, but also once you get fit, it's hard to stay fit because it isn't an identity. If you become someone who goes to the gym, that is just a way to set yourself ahead anyway. But then let's say day to day, getting to the gym, you have kids and they get sick. You're tired. You don't feel like it. It was a hard day. You had lots of sessions fill in the blanks. We all know this angst. Well, these are the micro moments where these questions can help. So I really hope that even though this was a brief episode, the concepts here, if you apply them, if you apply these questions to your life, you can get clearer on who you want to be. And then you can start to live from there when you can ask these questions and 
move in that direction on the micro and the macro level. I do have a little bonus here. It's not a question. But once you get clearer on this, what your life looks like in this new identity that'll move you clearer towards something you want to fulfill or towards fulfillment in general, is to have a soundtrack. This can be so helpful because if you're in that choice point of like, am I going to the gym? Or am I going to tell this client that I am actually spending time writing a book now, so I need to refer them out? This could happen on any level. I'm going to be working abroad now, and I'm going to tell everyone and realize that this is not hurting anyone. This is me living fully as me. So this could be a small thing. It could be what feels like a big thing. Once you know the decision, the self, the you, who you really want to be would make, what that feels like, what that feels like in your body, maybe even an image, maybe you've made a piece of art to solidify this. Find a piece of music that is like going to amp up the feeling, the dream realized. Because when you're feeling not so much like your true self, when that feels like it got elusive and you're wondering, what was I thinking I was going to do? This feels really hot right now. It's not worth being criticized for. I'm scared or exhausted. You play that soundtrack and it's a hat. It will bring you back into the state of self from which you made the decision in the first place. And state is everything. State dictates trait. So I really hope this was helpful. Also, if you did find this helpful and you want another hack, really, a hack that comes to you every week in your inbox, quick, bite-sized, my Monday MindUps email list is available for you. This is a way to help you make these choices because there's all kinds of crap that gets in our way. And so this is a course correction. It's a way to get an embodied aha. And so I recommend that you join my list. And if you're interested in that, you can go to the show notes and you'll find the Monday Mind Up Sign Up list. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks for listening to Therapist Expanded. Please subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast to help more of our colleagues join the revolution. 